Hi, and welcome to Real Trail Talk. I'm Donovan D'Souza from The Long Way is Better. And I'm Mike Pybus from The Life of Pi. Welcome to episode 36. We have a, let's just say a low-key one coming up. Yeah, um, especially, I think, after the last two very full Yeah, pods. very involved <laughs> pods. We're just going to be having a discussion with Donovan, just the two of us, about his Wilson's prom trip that he did last year. Yeah, in, in May 2018. Yeah, so and this one is a unique hiking trip for Don because it is Sans Alyssa. Yes. Um, you went with your good friend Zach that you met on the Gold Coast when you were over there working. Yeah, that's right. So I was basically in a glorious two-month period of unemployment after finishing up on the Gold Coast, and I told Zach that I wanted to go do a hike somewhere, and I said, I'm thinking maybe Wilson's prom, and he said, oh, take me, take me. <laughs> So um, we we went on the hike together yeah. instead of Alyssa, who uh, wasn't able to take time off work. And Zach's not, let's just say, an experienced hiker. No. So I think he had no experience before Queensland. He did a lot of hikes with me in Queensland, but that was his introduction to hiking. So this was his first, I think, overnight hike ever. Yeah, and you took him on a four-day circuit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I started with a seven-day or eight-day, um, you know, Walpole to Denmark on the bib. I thought, why not, you know, go, go hard or go home? Yeah, <laughs> put him through a baptism of fire. <laughs> that's right. Um, so we're going to break it down day by day. This is a four-day walk. What kind of distances are we talking overall? So overall, it's 55.4 kilometers. For the circuit, plus there's 8.2 kilometers of side trips. And I think we did all of the side trips. I'm pretty sure we did. So it's not like a horribly difficult introduction to Zach's first overnight hiking experience. No, not if you pack correctly. And if he listened to me, he would have packed correctly. Okay, well, we'll get on to that <laughs> a bit later. Um, so we'll start on day one, which is Tidal River to Sealers Cove. Yep. Um, what's the start of Wilson's Prom like? Is there a big extravagant trailhead there or what's no. going on? No? <laughs> uh, so you go to the Tidal River Visitor Center area there and you sign in to let them know what you're, you know, that you're here for everything. And then you have to walk along a road if you do it when we did it. So the peak time for Wilson's Prom is summer and apparently it's insane. So the, they have like a lottery system to camp at Tidal River because there's just too many people. And we were doing it in May when things are starting to die down. And a lot of people say, oh, the prom is too busy. But when we did it, there was hardly anyone there. Mm-hmm. But the downside is you have to walk the first bit. So it's walking along a road to t- uh, Telegraph Saddle. Which, if it was the popular time of year, you could catch a bus up to, is that right? Yeah, so they have a shuttle bus that takes you from there, from the from Tidal River to Telegraph Saddle. Mm. So not Don's favourite start to a hike then, with lots of road walking? No, it wasn't, look, it wasn't great, but, you know, like, it, it would be better to, it wasn't like that, but there's a, the walking was nice, you got to see into a valley, so there were, there were views, there were, you know, granite peaks on one side, so... As far as road walking goes, not not my favourite, but not the worst by a long shot. Mm. And then we move on to another Don favourite, which is Burnt Forest. Yeah. How so, does it compare to WA Burnt Forest? So there's a lot of... This area has been very badly burnt, and I think you'll probably never see Wilson's Prom without something burnt, because there's been so many bushfires through this area. 
I think the first bit here was quite bad because the trees were basically just completely defoliated. Further along the hike, there's a lot of burnt trees, but they're more acceptable, I'd say, because the they have you know, they have big crowns, so they look majestic even though they're burnt mm. compared to some small crowned species that are often found in Western Australia. Yeah, we won't mention those at all. <laughs> um, but so you got the, the worst of it out of the way, pretty much. Not the worst, but Don's not favourite hiking things to see. Yeah, for sure. I should say that at Telegraph Saddle, Zach, well, just before Telegraph Saddle, Zach said to me, I don't have any toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the first bit of, oh, wow, you didn't really think about this at all. <laughs> didn't think about it or wasn't told i did tell him that okay (laughs) so the the good thing was i had a smart idea i said to him Mm. there's a toilet at telegraph saddle have a look and see if there's any toilet paper here Mm. and he said you're a genius i said no i'm not a genius i'm just thinking there's a toilet here i'm sure there's toilet paper and sure enough there was so he took a bit and mm. yeah, he had toilet paper for the trip. Yeah, we must point out Zach is quite a lot younger yeah. than Donovan. Yeah, so he is like a bit wet behind the ears. <laughs> I think he's like twenty. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, we all make mistakes, but I mean, from here it gets better, and you kind of go through a little bit of rainforest, which you quite enjoyed. Yeah, so just um, just before and after you reach Windy Saddle is when I think the things it really turns on and you're like, oh, this is beautiful. Mm. There was a lot of rainforest and it m- reminded me a lot of Mount Field, like the lower levels of the rainforest that aren't the mountain ash sections. Yep. Really just nice lush rainforest as you'd expect from, you know, from Australian uh, Gondwana landscapes. Yeah. Um, and then as you go over Windy Saddle... And then on the other side, it gets even better. There's lots of little creeks and even lusher rainforest. Yeah, so obviously, you know, with the rain shadow, this is probably where the, where they get a lot more rain. And we did see a lot of clouds rolling over because it, was, it wasn't like the best weather on the first day for us. So you can definitely see how this side has, you know, has the, has the waterfalls. It has the, the rainforest that's much lusher. And you get a lot of what looks like mountain ash. There were a lot of really tall trees that looked a lot like what I, I know mountain ash looks like. And you can definitely see how this area was once attached to Tasmania. Mm. It certainly has the look of, of that kind of place. Yeah, so lovely walking then. Yeah, fantastic. Don, Couldn't complain. Don's in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, and then what you described in your series of posts about this is the longest boardwalk section you've ever been on yeah for sure um i don't know if since then if i've done more but this was like literally we were on a boardwalk for 25 minutes of just unceasing boardwalk walking there wasn't like oh we stopped for a little bit and there's a bit of land and then there's no no this is just constant (laughs) boardwalk for that whole section wow so a fair bit of uh investment going into this trail yeah for sure i think uh, you know the pr- the prom is well loved, and I think it shows. They've spent a lot of money here, and also early on where there had been that fire sections. So the prom's been dealt so many terrible blows. So there were floods that just completely washed away the track, and the work that they've done to reconstruct it is outstanding. Mm. You know they they really care about this area, and they've done a lot to make it what it is. 
Yeah, and I suppose if you're putting boardwalk in, you're, you're more likely to protect the environment, especially if there's been flooded away and, you know, people can start making their own tracks. Yeah. Because it's not a bad compromise two yep. or three k's of boardwalk to protect the environment. Yeah. I tell you what, you're probably going to be a lot more careful how you do your prescribed burns if you're putting boardwalk in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're not the most fire retardant uh, material <laughs> boardwalk. <laughs> Um, so this was through a bit of a swampy area and then you reach Sealer's Cove. Yeah. What was it like going into camp? So uh, it's really interesting because coming from Western Australia where you don't have like forest, hard line and then beach, mm. this was really weird. And also the beach was a yellowy sand rather than the normal bleach white sand that we have yeah. here. So like builder's sand. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So it it looks so different because... First of all, there literally is a line. There's forest, and there's not like a transition to heath, and then it's just literally forest, beach, mm. water. And the beach was just not at all like what you what I know from WA. Yeah. Um, and then on the you walk along the beach, and then you cross a creek, and then you're at the campsite, which is basically, again, forest that's just right on the cove. So this creek, a uh, little bit tannin-stained, and mm -hmm. you... Tried to sample the the local water. How was that? Well, I think you have to because like they. <laughs> so the way that all the well this and the next campsite are designed, there's like a tap of water that seems to be somehow pumped from the creek out into the campsite. Mm. There's like a tap that's just constantly flowing, and we filled up from it. And this one, look, this one was okay. This one wasn't. It wasn't fantastic, but it was acceptable in terms of taste, and. You know, like, it, it's cool. I like the fact that there's, there's these creeks nearby and we had to, you know, wade through the creek. And I told Zach, you know, thing I'll, I'll teach you is that you've got to walk on the outer side, walk out to the <laughs> water. Don't try to walk straight across. It, yeah. it may seem that narrow is better, but it's not. The long way is better. Yeah, the long way is better. So you took him under your wing and do, do you think he learned that valuable lesson? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. I'd say mm. he did. Yeah. And what was it like at camp during the night? Was there many people there... Did you share a tent with Zach? Is he a snorer? Uh, no. So we had just bought the Big Agnes Copper Spur to replace our old seed house. So I said to him, look, I'm a snorer, so you can have your own tent. I'll give you the seed house and you can, and I'll take the Copper Spur. So he, after I helped him set up his, he helped me set up mine and broke the zip <laughs> on my <laughs> tent. Um, and this was the third night it had ever been used as well. So I was a little bit pissed with him. At one point, he was like trying to hang, hang around and, and look to see if he could help. And I said, Zach, you just need to go somewhere else for a sec because I'm really angry with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we, there, was another, there was only one other person at the campsite. There was, um, there was a lady who stayed on the other side of the campsite, nearer to the, where the water was. And she had, interestingly enough, just, just done... She'd been on Macquarie Island. So that was really interesting because I've been... When I was in Tassie, I was looking at Macquarie Island. Mm. And she was, you know, someone, oh, like, oh, I've been there. I was doing some research there. So mm. that was, that was kind of cool. Yeah. And did uh, Zach lay low for the rest of the night? Or did he... We, did look, you we, warm up to him a little yeah, bit? Yeah, I just needed like 15 minutes to half an hour of just like not not having him just standing next to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, things were fine after that. Um, yeah, there's no no issues. We cooked our food at the 
they have like tab like these sort of ta- square tables mm. everywhere you can kind of cook out. So we did that, and I found out Zach did not listen to me when it came to food and brought completely different food to what I said. Not enough food as well. For some reason, he thought it was a two night, not a three night. Yeah. And he had a can of V with him as well. well that's nice and lightweight. <laughs> yes. But good energy though. So just for everyone at home, I have to share my notes on Zach. <laughs> I've got met on Gold Coast, ripped tent, didn't bring toilet paper or enough food, but makes up for it in other ways. So what are these other ways before we just Zach bash for the rest oh, of the podcast? Look. The guy is hilarious. He is the, one of the funniest people. Um, so he's always good value for a, a, a laugh. And he's also someone who doesn't take himself too seriously. So you can, you can make fun of him and laugh at his, his you know, really unfortunate mistakes. Yeah. And he'll laugh with you. So, you know, he's good value. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so waking up the next day, uh, it's Sealer's Cove to Little Waterloo Bay. Um, so it starts off as a very coastal day, which I know you enjoy that kind of walking. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I really like this day. I think this day is, if if you're used, if you've done like Cape to Cape or Cape Legrand or you know Fitzgerald River, this will have a similar kind of look and feel. A lot more heath and a lot more exposed, um, you know, with granite headlands. Mm, which is some of your favourite walking. Oh, for sure. I, you know, I love this kind of walking. It's um, doesn't I never get bored of it. Yeah, and in my notes here, we've got a section of acceptable forest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, as I said, the, the Wilson's Prom has been quite significantly burnt, and yet I didn't find it as disgusting as some burnt forest in WA. And a lot of that is that the, the canopy, you know, you get this nice big lush canopy so even though the trees are are burnt when they do recover they do have this sort of you know the the branches reaching out to the heavens and you get a nice shady canopy mm. and that really does make a difference it makes the area not have that stark bleak look about it so yeah i, I enjoyed it and it didn't you know it's, it's not my favorite you know like if i had to to choose between that or the rainforest i'll pick the rainforest but mm. i'm you know i wasn't going to be upset about it in that yeah. sense what was the weather like for the the start of day two started out not so good very overcast and it, but it got better as the day progressed and from this acceptable forest <laughs> <laughs> um as it all the track continues on down to refuse cove yep. um, which is quite unique because it is a boater's campsite as well yeah so it's really interesting because we when we rocked up and it was kind of perfect because it looks really cool in the photos there was like a yacht parked in the bay mm. at Refuge Cove and they you know they set up there then they sent a little boat across to the mainland and then they camped there so it was really nice and we ran into a, a sort of middle-aged couple who were just going for a stroll like they obviously you know were at the yacht mm. getting off going for a little bit of a walk and coming back and again the beaches here are of the yellow sand variety I think this was like quite yellow sandy at this particular beach mm. Uh, but the campsite's cool. It has like um, this big wall that has like looks like it's the like the name tag wooden pieces from ships that is yeah. made into a wall. That's cool. And um, yeah, it's, it's cool to have like a little different vibe there. And the walkers section's a little bit further down. That's under the the trees, 
So yeah, nice campsite, but you know, if I had a choice, at, um, where we stayed the first night was way better than 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 Refuge Cove. Mm, you have to deal with all the uh, the, the yachties. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, they they probably would have had like wine or something that we could have had. Uh, yeah. You know, so that's that's the thing. But I did bring wine, so you know, yeah. it wasn't like it was we were without. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cool. Um, and from Refuge Cove, it's an ascent up to Cursup Peak. Yeah, a lot of granite headland walking, and then you reach a side trip to Kursop Peak, which is, you know, it's a really short side trip. I mean, you're only looking at about 600 meters. Oh, okay. But, yeah, yeah, it's worth doing, and you get nice views down to uh, Waterloo Bay and Little Waterloo Bay, which, you know, is where you were heading for the end of the day. Mm. From there, we're descending down to North Waterloo Bay, and then there's more granite headland before you actually reach the campsite. Yeah, so it's... It's nice walking. There's a lot of like these granite boulders that are sort of, they look almost like they, someone just placed heaps of stones on one side of the bay and it, that's like the wall of the, the coastline. Mm. Really beautiful. I mean, some of it is, you can see where there's been some maybe erosion damage from from rain, but, you know, it's it's really lovely. With You walk across, a, you know, another, there's a lot of, all these beaches seem to have like some creek flowing down into them. Mm. So yeah, it was it was good. And when you as you round the corner, you're quite high up, and there's just along the coast there's these really large granite boulders and headlands that you can walk across and along, and you can see the bays as you're approaching. Mm. So very much like Albany, like in a way, but on yeah. steroids. A yeah, bit. I'd say it's it has a very much a feel of that sort of William Bay. Um, heading into Albany, anywhere where there's that granite rock kind of look, it has a very similar appearance. Like you definitely, if you're from the southwest of WA, you'll have images of home, yeah. <laughs> which I definitely had. Yeah. So we've reached Little Waterloo Bay, which is the campsite for the evening. This is where the drinking water wasn't so great, was it? Yeah, this was crap. <laughs> the water was really disgusting tasting. It was extraordinarily tannic. Yeah, I'd say definitely, you know, drink a, drink the bare minimum from here and try to refill more from the next campsite if, you, if you're coming, you know, this way. Obviously, take enough for yourself. But if you're coming the other way, which a lot of people seem to do, they seem to do the circuit in the other direction, mm. I'd take more water from Roaring Meg. Yeah. Or maybe just dip into your wine reserves that night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even though it's not terribly uh, hydrating. No. <laughs> Uh, and how did young Zach go with the tent this night? He went okay, uh, except <laughs> we um, we had a crow come and um, take pick up like some of his he, like he left he put down his um, a food pack packet of chips because mm. of mm. course he brought chips <laughs> and, and a crow came and just like took so we we went for a, a walk to back to the beach to have a look and climb up the rocks. And we came back, and then there was just wrappers <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> and I found, like, I, I had bought a pair of sunglasses that I took to India to get the lenses replaced because they were really scratched. Mm. And I came back, and I found the corners were all chipped oh, by no. the crow. Who obviously, the sweat from my face, uh, it tasted it. It was trying to get to whatever was there. Yeah. And, yeah, so my new glasses were chipped at the corners. Uh, this is not a, a, a great overnight experience. And then we had like this massive school group show up as well. Uh. Um, they were very respectful and they camped 
far away from us. We actually took the best because we arrived first. We took the nicest spot, mm. and they they camped closer to the river. They were respectful and not a problem. Yeah. So you guys were the rowdy ones at the campsite. No, we were sleep early. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so moving on to day three, as you said, off to Roaring Meg campsite. You described yeah. this one as the best day of the four. The best and the hardest day. It was like 20Ks all up, 20.9Ks 20. all up. But, you know, the the height, the highlights of this day were the best parts of the whole track. So you mentioned before that pretty much all the beaches had been yellow builder sand. Yep. Uh, but Waterloo Bay was different, wasn't it? Yeah, so this was the f- the first really... I mean, there were some beaches that were sort of white, but this was like Fitzgerald River, uh, Cape Le Grand sort of white. Maybe not as white. Like, I think if you maybe got like a sample from each, you know, <laughs> yeah. they love to say that Lucky Bay is the whitest in Australia. Yeah. So it probably wouldn't compare to Lucky Bay, but without that comparison, it definitely looked very white. And would the, where would this rank in Don's favourite beaches in Australia, it was very pretty. It was really nice. Um, I'm not sure. Like it wouldn't. It wouldn't be Fitzgerald River level. You know, top like a, five, top ten. Uh, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'd, I'd have to have to think about that. I mean, if I think about beaches that are outstanding, you know, I would, I would probably no. You know what? It probably isn't because I'd put Elephant Cove and Fitzgerald River. And Turquoise Bay in Ningaloo ahead of it. And that's already three. And if I think harder, I'm sure I could, you know, Two People's Bay. Yeah. You know, uh, I could fill it up with, with in WA alone. So okay. not quite. <laughs> not quite. But up there for Victorian beaches. Yeah, probably one of the nicest in Victoria. Okay. Yep. We'll, we'll give them that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've still got the beaches. Um, yeah. yeah. So from Waterloo Bay, it's a bit of a steep climb. This is kind of where the day almost fell apart for both of you, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, so this was this was tough. So, as I had mentioned, Zach had not listened to me when it came to food. And, you know, to be honest, I didn't listen to me when it came to my own, how I was feeling. And as we were climbing up, because it doesn't look that bad in the book, and Alyssa and I had done much harder at the start of The Walls of Jerusalem. But that's the first thing we did. So once we were in, we were in, and when when you're doing a multi-day hike, something you'll you know you'll notice is that after like maybe the first or second day, your energy reserves start to run out, and then you're you're starting to chew through, you know, your probably your reserves, and we definitely had reached that point, and this this ascent was, you know, it just took a lot out of us. It just was relentless, mm. and when we were both feeling weak as well, it just didn't help. And I ended up stopping and I ate like half a block of lint chocolate and a pack of um, of jerky. And I gave Zach half the chocolate as well because I said, you know, you don't look good, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he, he had not brought, you know, a, enough food. I think he hadn't realized that when you go hiking, you need more calories. Mm. And yeah. So was this the point that you realized that Zach hadn't packed enough? No, I'd worked it out earlier, but this was the day where it showed that he hadn't packed enough because he didn't have food for, for dinner. Mm. And, um, yeah, he was he was pretty weak by the time we got to Roaring yeah. Meg. And it's, yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen a photo of young Zach and he doesn't really have a lot of reserves on him to start with. No, he's a pretty skinny kid uh, in spite of the fact that he lives on a diet of sugar. 
but yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, not like he had a lot of reserves on him, as you say. Yeah, but as you said, this was one of the better days. So the scenery was kind of making up for the fact that yeah, you weren't feeling too great, which I think if it didn't, this would have been a pretty terrible experience. Yeah. There was a lot of like, you know, big mossy granite boulders. There was nice coastal views. Yeah, there were bits where we were walking through like a tunnel of heath where you couldn't see very much. But no worse than I've experienced on Bibbleman track sections that I've rated overall as being enjoyable. Mm. Um, and moving on, so it's off to the Southeast Point Lighthouse. Yeah. Which you said kind of had like a, a bald head feel to it except there's a lighthouse at the yeah end. it looks very much like bald head so we left our packs at the trail junction and zach wasn't sure about it but i said no no look i think you'll be fine just make sure you take your garbage out of the front and put it into your pack because <laughs> yeah. crows are clever and they know how to open stuff and then we walked to the, to the lighthouse and there's these cool sort of granite boulders that are sort of wind blown with holes through them and it's pretty cool it's Reminds me a lot, actually, of the views from there felt like when you're walking to Peak Head and you're near the top just before the rock and you look back across. And I should say for listeners that when I'm talking about Peak Head, that's Tondurup National Park in, yeah. in Albany. Albany. Yeah. yeah, very similar kind of feel and look to the area with the beaches on both sides. Mm. And I will say, though, that the that Southeast Point was a bit anticlimactic. We got to the lighthouse and it was like, yeah, okay. We got here. Mm. Not much to it. Um, didn't, didn't sell ice cream. Yeah, so Zach was, because he was so hungry, he was desperate. And I too, you know, he'd hit, when he we talked about ice cream, he was like, oh, that would be so good right now. <laughs> and we got there, and I realized there was nothing there. And Zach was so disappointed and desperate, he was prepared to knock on all the doors to find out if there was ice cream there. And I was like, dude. Seriously, there's no one here except for probably a caretaker, and they will not have ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> At least he tried. Yeah, yeah. Um, so from there, we're kind of walking along the ridge line on the coast. Yep. How was dealing with the disappointment of no ice cream? It was, it was okay. So the the ascent was gentle enough. We weren't, you know, exhausted. However, what was funny was when we came back to to our packs from Southeast Point. Uh, Zach hadn't listened to me about the garbage thing. (laughs) (laughs) So his his toilet paper, his unused toilet paper, I should say, Mm -hmm. and his garbage was in an outer compartment. And when we got there, the guidebook was actually pulled out of my bag by a crow, Mm -hmm. and then they obviously realized there was no food. Then they went to his pack and just went to town. (laughs) (laughs) There was stuff everywhere. Um, and yeah, then, you know, the walking was, was pretty easy from there. It was, you know, a gentle ascent rather than the previous one, which was quite steep, Mm. but Zach was really getting worn out by this point. There's a photo I took, like we got to like a nice lookout point where we were looking at Southeast point and I was like, I need to take some photos, Zach. And he said, I'm just going to lie down here. (laughs) (laughs) I don't feel so good. Uh, you could have got one of your uh, famous "you didn't sleep here" photos. I should have. It probably wasn't that far off sleeping at that nah. point. From there, it's kind of a 
you can go on the management track to the campsite, but there's also a custom-built track that you can go on, isn't there? And you yeah. guys chose that option. So you turn onto the management track, and then you walk on it for a little while, and then you can choose which way to go. And I don't know who would pick to go on the management track. I guess, yes, it is an option. But seriously, why would you choose it when there's a purpose-built walk track? Mm. There's and never if- anyone I've heard who says, oh, man, I just wish there was more road, you know, to walk on. And especially with you guys going through what you did. Like, that's probably the lowest of how you'd be at that point, yeah. not having a lot of food in you and not having energy. But you still chose to take the good track. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The nice. It was much nicer that way. I'm guessing maybe, like, if you'd done this a hundred times and the weather wasn't fantastic and you just wanted to get to camp, you'd just power along the management track. But even then... The the thing is, the distances were the same. Mm. It, it probably is maybe a bit easier terrain-wise, but mm. not a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. So Don's tip is uh, use the proper track. Someone yeah. built it, you may as well use yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. You know, especially coming from WA where, you know, there's a lot of road walking on some of our tracks you got to appreciate when someone puts in a track, so don't just go along the road. <laughs> what <Yeah>. are you doing? <laughs> and what's Roaring Meg like as a campsite then? So Roaring Meg is really interesting because there's two levels. There's an upper and lower Roaring Meg. And you coming along the walking track, you come to lower Roaring Meg first, and it's right by a creek. And the water from the creek is outstanding. This is, to me, the best place to fill up from, from water for water. And I ended up, drinking a lot of water here because i was you know pretty dehydrated i think after the day mm. didn't drink a lot because of how crappy the water tasted the previous so yeah really really appreciated the water more than ever and then a hundred meters from there is upper roaring meg which is upstairs so it's not the easiest you know like you're trying to get to the capsides mm. you have to still keep going and we opted to camp up there because it was closer to the toilet and also closer to the side trip that I was going to do, that Zach was originally going to do, but he was just like, I just don't have it in me to yep. do today. Understandable. Yep. So this side trip, mm. why is this so significant? So this is the side trip to South Point, which is the southernmost point of the Australian mainland. And having done the easternmost point when I was in Byron Bay, I thought... I really got to get the south, yeah. the southernmost point as well while I'm here. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I would say do not miss this. This is this is my favorite part of the whole track. It's um, you're walking along this track that is, again, single file walking track, and so I timed it walk, when I was walking there so that I'd be there around sunset, mm. and it was glorious. There was just the lovely golden glow. It was you know it was golden hour. The south, southernmost point was bathed in this golden light and the islands off the coast were, were also there. And yeah, it's just really lovely. That's the thing I'll take away the, you know, as my favorite part from this trip was being able to see South Point. Mm-hmm. And it really is a must-do. I'm sure you walked back to camp and told Zach it was the most terrible thing in the world and he didn't really miss much. I think he was half asleep <laughs> from not having food. He didn't have dinner that night. Wow. So he decided not to eat dinner and instead eat all his muesli bars the next day for breakfast (laughs) (laughs) so that he had energy. (laughs) That's really not a bad idea. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So moving on to the final day, you kind of described this as a bit of an A to B day. 
but it's not entirely bad if you break into sections. Yeah, so, look, this this day is the least eventful. It's clearly just, like, getting you back to the start. There's a lot of, you know, first of all, you're walking along what was the old telegraph line, which is not bad. It's inland, so you don't get nice coastal views, but, yeah, it's okay. And then there's a lot of walking along management track later on. Mm. So it's it does does feel a bit like this day is a compromise compared to the other days, but eh, you know, like it's it's okay. Mm. But you did highlight one advantage of the management track compared to say WA management tracks is the lack of vehicular activity. Definitely, let's put it that way. Definitely. So when you see a management track in WA, even in like dieback restricted areas, there you will see some idiot. On a, on a vehicle every now and then you know like I've seen cars parked at Mount Cook campsite on the Bibbulmun track even though they should not even be there I've seen four wheel drives driving through areas where there's you know there, there's no access and yet somehow they've, they're there and of course dirt bikes you know mm-hmm. the, the bane of a hiker's existence yeah. uh, and pig hunters you know like you find as we said in the the last bib pod about you know finding a pig's head cut and just thrown by the side of the track yeah you don't get that at least here. Yeah. At least that you know. Yes, it's a management track, but it is just a management track. Mm. So they're only there to manage stuff, which is good. What's, yes. What's there for? Um, and then you say you come up to halfway hut, which you were surprised was still standing. Yeah, because you know there's been so many fires through this area. It's sort of unbelievable that this place still exists. And I I believe that there's a there was like a plaque there talking about how close fires had come in the past mm. and it's in remarkable you know th- there's a missing window at the back but otherwise it's in remarkable condition mm. considering probably got like covered in lead paint or <laughs> some <laughs> kind of fire retardant material yeah probably i mean it's it's probably now a hi- an historic hut so they do a bit more to save save it mm. and halfway hut does that have any special meaning is that halfway for the day or is it just a, a name that it got given so i think it's the halfway point from telegraph saddle to Southeast Point, which was previously, I think, used for Navy, naval activity. So that's why they yep. had this thing here. Mm, cool. And then we move on to what, I, looking at the pictures, looks like one of the, the better spots on the day, which is Oberon Bay. Yes, yeah, so Oberon Bay is really cool. So from, from Oberon Bay on, it gets good again. So you, from Halfway Hut, you're heading along the road, and then you turn left onto this really sandy track which is really crap and then you get to Oberon Bay and it's just fantastic it's this really wide bay because I think the tides it's quite um, a a flat beach Mm. so the tide comes in quite a way but we were there low tide and it was way out then you cross Growlers Creek which is probably the nicest of the creeks because it's a really broad creek that um, you know, all the other ones are much narrower, whereas this has like an epic feel about it. And then there's all this massive granite headlands around, so it has a, it has a really dramatic quality. Yeah, certainly when you post them for the first time, I was looking through, I was scrolling through, and I was like stopped at those photos. I was like, that this is unique. This is a really cool place to to be. And imagine mm. like being at there compared to just looking at the photos is even more epic. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And this improves the mood slightly. How did how did Zach respond to his uh, bounty of muesli bars in the morning? He was good. He was he was re-energized for the day, mm. and was prepared for, 
you know, I think the the promise of like a pie or a burger was was driving him by this stage. Yeah, uh, we're not quite finished yet. Yep. Yeah, so there's a little bit of a rise and then back down to Little Oberon. Yeah, which is a pretty wild beat. So Oberon itself was quite calm, but Little Oberon was like pretty nuts. The water was churning. There's a lot of rocks out to sea. Yeah, and even on on land, there was a section where the track goes through this area that looks like a landslide has just like, you know, a flood has just come through and just washed the channel through to the beach. Mm. So it's a pretty rough looking area. But then on the other side, is just this massive granite headland, like a really impressive, huge, almost like a mountain of granite. Mm. And we were looking at it going, how on earth does the track go along here? Because it just didn't look like it was possible. Yeah. But it's one of those things where, you know, sometimes you look at, um, you know, videos or drone footage of something and it yeah. just looks impossibly steep. But then yeah. when you turn, you go, oh, yeah, that's doable. Yeah. Um, and then past this granite headland, it's onto Norman Bay, which is the finish. Yeah. So back to Tidal River. So when you're there walking along the headland, the beach because it's such a huge beach you don't really get a sense of scale and it just feels like it takes forever it's one of those things you know like always the last tale that little bit just before yeah. feels like it's going to take a long time and when you get down to norman bay you go you walk through this tunnel of coastal trees and that again just feels like a lifetime before you eventually get back to tidal bay and that was the end. That was the end. And normally at this stage, you would have your famous 10 on a plate. Yes. But was it not available or you just decided to go with something else this time? I didn't fancy the look of the t- the 10s the on the plates. They looked fairly uh, 4 and 20, uh, to be honest. So yeah. they didn't look amazingly enticing. Yeah. So the burgers were freshly made. And, you know, there's not a, you look at it and there were not a lot of people that I was thinking the turnover can't be, be good for a pie. Mm. Whereas a burger, I know you're going to have to make it fresh. And the burgers were delicious. Excellent here. And well, well deserved as well. Yeah, definitely for Zach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so where would you place Wilson's Prom in kind of the, the multi-day sphere of hiking within Australia, especially the ones that you've experienced so far? Sure. Um, look, I, I really enjoyed it. I think it's a, an outstanding walk. I think it's certainly one that's worthy of its classic status. It def- definitely has a reputation for being a classic walk. And it's been there for a very long time and is well-loved by Victorians. I think it's, it's a lot more remote and wilder than the Cape to Cape as a, as a clear example because they're, they're probably in that same kind of category of coastal walk. Somehow I like the Cape to Cape more, I think. Oddly enough, it's, it's you know, there's things that you, you would think are less impressive. Like, for example, it goes through towns. It's less remote. It's not as wild. But there's something I really enjoy about the way the Cape to Cape works. And, and you know, like, I didn't see anything quite as spectacular as, say, Sugarloaf Rock. Or, or the forest was as good as the Borrowed Up Forest. And, you know, it, it is something that I think, while I was a bit resistant to, I did enjoy the fact that you came into into towns along the way because be, mm. it was nice to have a shower and, and drink nice wine on the, tra- on the track. So, yeah, yeah certainly I, I think I liked Cape to Cape more as an experience and also maybe because I was doing it with Alyssa. Mm. But 
yeah, I would definitely recommend Wilson's Prom to anyone. It's it's a fantastic hike and is worthy of being regarded as one of Australia's best, I think. Yeah. So yeah, and or you'd also recommend doing it out of peak season too. Definitely. I think it would be horrible because they they talk about how the ranger checks your permit at the campsite. We didn't have even have rangers there. But in in the summer, apparently, you know, there are more people there than there are spots. Mm. People are just rocking up and looking at those campsites, it would be horrible if you're sharing it with like 30 people. Yeah. I would not want to do that. There you go. Top tip, go out of uh, out of season and enjoy it a lot better. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it was really lovely in May, so there's definitely no reason not to do it then. Mm. Back to the subject of Zach. Do you know if he's done any more overnight hikes since this expedition? I don't think so. Um, I had considered inviting him to Feathertop, but then I hadn't ever done an overnight hike by myself, and I thought that that might be a cool thing to do. <laughs> yeah. So that's why he didn't come on that one. But it was very close to me asking him if he wanted to do that. Mm. And he's still you're still on talking terms, right? Oh, for sure. We yeah. caught up um, about two months ago. Yeah. Yep. Cool. All right. Well, maybe one day we'll have Zach on the podcast to do a rebuttal of his uh, <laughs> Wilson's Prom experience with Don. He might be like a seasoned hiker by that stage. Yeah. Who him knows? and Alyssa can uh, team up and uh, tell everyone what it's like to hike with Don. <laughs> Um, that about wraps it up. So, yeah, stay tuned on Facebook because we'll have a link to Don's post um, or you can search for The Long Ways Better if you want to follow them through while you're listening. Any final words on this one, Don? Yeah, fantastic coastal walk. If you like coastal walks, then I recommend this one. And it's a nice four days and it's close to Melbourne. A lot of pluses. Excellent. Okay. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, if you had any questions about this pod or any other pods or had suggestions for future episodes, please email us at realtrailtalk at gmail.com or message us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you're enjoying the pod, please give us a rating on iTunes, Podbean, or whatever platform you're listening to us on. Thank you, and we'll be back in two weeks. Mm-hmm.